0: And now, a statement from the British Prime Minister about the current
1: national emergency.
2: Hello. Uh, Many of you out there uh, are fans, of course, of motorsport. And I've been giving careful consideration to the current situation and what that means for Formula One, particularly regarding whether uh, uh, the British Grand Prix can go ahead uh, in July this year, now uh, our government believe that safety is, of course, paramount, and we don't want to risk any of the teams succumbing to the coronavirus and uh, and then spreading it further around the world during their travels as part of the 2020 Formula One season. No, i would be very, 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 very bad. However, given this, you will be no doubt very pleased to hear that I have decided the British Grand Prix will. Indeed, go ahead at Silverstone in July of this year. Marvellous Marlis, marvellous, marvellous. But there'll be one small proviso. The only team taking part will be the Rocket Williams F1 team. This is for one very simple reason. The current Williams chassis is so slow, it couldn't even catch a cold. Never mind the coronavirus. Ha ha ha! Boom boom! Thank you! I'm here all week. Tip your waiter. Yeah.
3: Hello and welcome to a very special virtual edition of Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth and I'm sitting at home in London and on the other side of London, in West London, in her kitchen, I think, is Sarah Leach. Hiya, Sarah. Hello. How's it going
0: over there in East London?
3: Good, yeah, good. Thank you to the gift of Skype. We're able to do this. It's a pretty good connection that we've got and I've got you on video as well. So it's almost like being in the room. And in my other ear, you might say, or your other ear, in another part of South West London, Sog, how you doing, man? Not bad, thanks. Good to see you guys. Good to see you and hear
0: you. <laughs> Sounds like you're in a spaceship. It's like one of those NATO kind of environments
4: you've well, got going there. Yeah, you say uh, I sound like a bit of a spaceship. I mean, I regard this current experience as being a little bit like being on the International Space Station. We're in isolation and we have to plan our immediate future on the basis that we've got to be self-contained, keep ourselves occupied, keep ourselves happy,
0: keep ourselves fit. That's right. There you go. Staying home and staying safe. And we
3: have to get on with the people that we're lumbered with for the next possibly three or four months. Mm -hmm. Sarah, let me ask you first, as a sports journalist... Coronavirus outbreak has hit you pretty hard because there's no sport at all, is there?
0: (laughs) That's correct. There's no sport whatsoever. I mean, everything's been cancelled. So, yeah, I mean, I've been doing some work for a few different companies. I work as a self-employed, which is another issue altogether because we're waiting on an announcement for some coronavirus financial support for the self-employed. So people like me who do work in a lot of live sport have pretty much lost most of their work but uh, me and like the rest of you are waiting for everything to get going again so it is a bit of a let's you know get our violins out and start playing it and we'll all be sad and <laughs> until it all kicks up again so fingers crossed but you're all right sherry you don't live alone do you no no i don't live alone i'm fine and you know what actually i've got plenty of friends who live in the area and it's funny there is so many really really fun video apps i feel like i actually haven't had any time to stop because have you actually heard of it i'm sorry this is maybe going slightly off topic but napcorn house party all my friends are on it and so you go on it and all of a sudden you've got like eight friends just join your group and you're having an eight-way conversation with all your friends on a video call. And before you know it, like all these house parties are going on digitally. It's like a virtual pub. It, it's a very bizarre time at the moment. But I tell you what, I actually am coping because my social life is sort of taking a new turn. <laughs> it's gone completely online. It's all come to you.
3: Well, we're, we're doing practically the same thing right now, aren't we? This is essentially a sort of virtual house party. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know. And you know what? I just, my Instagram feed has never been so inundated with home workouts. Have you just seen how the internet has just in your face just come with how many home workouts, home Pilates, home yoga, Joe Wicks is doing a home workout. I mean, I'm telling you, if you're not at home and working out, it's all.
4: <laughs> gone completely online. I have to be honest, the, the home workout isn't the thing that's been mostly growing my attention recently. I've noticed that it was a trending thing, but I guess I found other distractions, other things to either cheer me up or uh, bring me down on the net. I want to ask
3: you, Zog, what have you been doing with your time?
4: Well, my work hasn't entirely fallen off the cliff. And in fact, this week I'm doing a little bit of work for the European Space Agency on a film. And, you know, a lot of that kind of work that I do, video editing... I can do remotely pretty much as well as I can in a room with the colleagues that I'd usually work on these things with. So I've got a bit of work going on. I've been doing some work on a book proposal that we we were talking about earlier, actually, before we started recording the show. I'm planning to write a book on
3: science and gambling, so I'm doing some work on that at the moment. I can think of no better person to write a book on science and gambling.
0: Gambling? You're a very good poker player,
4: aren't you, Zog? I'm not as good as I would like to be. (laughs) Let's say I'm a keen poker player who's aware of his limitations. Let's put it like that. I I think the overlap of science and gambling is an area that I think there are some interesting stories to talk about, both from the point of view of scientists making bets to do with their work and applying science and math's to the world of gambling. And if there are a few other things I'm going to throw in there as well. So I've been using some of my time for that and I've been using some of my time to do a bit of music to get my old Sequential Circuits Pro 1 back up and running properly. Oh, nice. Pitch bend and mod wheels that were broken and I spent about at least an hour today basically just playing the bass line from I Feel Love on my newly restored Pro 1 and my God, it sounds great.
3: I'd love to hear that. Listen, I've been doing some music as well. In fact, I've written a bespoke song for this episode which deals with the lack of racing during this lockdown phase that we've now entered in. Now, just let me point out that we're missing the fourth member of the team, Richard, who was unable to join us tonight because Richard, as you know, has got... Two children under the age of five who are at home all day and he's been teacher at the moment. So by the time we get to the evening, which is the time of day we're recording this, Richard is utterly exhausted, has to hit the sack and can't be with us. But we'll catch up with him at some point. But okay, right, let's get down to the business of motorsport or Perhaps the lack of motorsport. Sarah, as our resident Australian, did you follow the way that the cancellation of the Australian? Grand Prix played
0: out live? Well, yes, I did, but not sort of to the minute. So I do know that it was a bit of a shambles in the end. But as we do know, McLaren pulled out and the other teams were concerned. I do know that in the press conference, Lewis Hamilton sort of raised his concern. He sort of thought that he couldn't believe that the competition was going ahead, especially in light of all the other sports events around the world globally that were cancelling, sort of all going down like a domino effect. But then as we all know, all the teams sort of raised their concern because by the time one guy got infected, then you know you never know it could have just gone through the whole F1 circus. But what I did hear though that even before they made the announcement is that Kimi Räikkönen and Sebastian Vettel they had already jumped on a plane and flown back to Europe. So I think it was all over before they made the official announcement. But they were expecting that. So it's a bit of a shame, really, because they set the whole thing up. The crowd was sort of very unhappy about the turn of events. Well, the crowd were literally baying at the
3: gates, weren't they? They were all piled outside Albert Park waiting to get in or waiting for a decision one way or another. And it was... Left really late. I know it was a rapidly changing situation. Mm. We have the benefit of hindsight now, but at the time it was a moot point whether events should or shouldn't go ahead. And I'm not sure that Formula One were as on top of it as they should have been. What do you think, Sog? Well, I think to be fair to them, as you say, it was a very difficult time.
4: It was right in between the point at which the event would have just gone ahead without any problems and you know just a few days later there would have been no question that it would have been cancelled
0: Because I know that they were very keen for it to go ahead in Australia like the Melbourne government and they all like we don't have any any reason for this not to go ahead blah 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 and they were all probably thinking revenue, revenue, revenue Well and that I think gets to one of the
4: issues here that you know we can certainly criticise people for not being maybe clearer in their communication or making decisions sooner but apart from anything else There were several parties involved in putting the event on. And I think part of the problem in there not being a clear announcement about whether the race was happening or not on the Friday morning, when it was already, I think, clear to a lot of people who were watching events unfold, it was already clear that it wasn't going to happen. But we were waiting for an official announcement. Part of the problem appears to have been that there was just a certain amount of coordination that had to happen between... The local authorities, the local government, the Formula One side of things, I'm not on top of the precise relationships and legal responsibilities and contracts and everything else that was in place and exactly what was going on. But it's pretty clear to me that that was part of the problem. But in the end, they made the right decision and they made a decision that clearly had to be made not just for the sake of people in the paddock, but most importantly, for the tens of thousands of people who would have crowded in Mm. to Albert Park for the event and who would have been at a higher risk. Let's remember that the mathematics of an exponential increase in infections is absolutely brutal and erring on the side of caution was clearly the right thing to do. They made the right decision. Well done. It's a shame it wasn't a bit
3: clearer, a bit sooner, but they got there in the end. We've had a number of races either cancelled or postponed now. Where are we at? Uh, Today,
0: I think, uh, was it yesterday? I think the Azerbaijan Grand Prix has been canned.
4: Yeah, they were hoping that Azerbaijan would be the start of the season, but then they've stopped selling tickets for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, certainly. Mm.
0: Well, they've brought the summer break forward now. So the summer break will happen in sort of April, May, is it? Or May, June. And so there'll be no summer break in August and they'll just carry on. And they're saying the season will end sort of around November, maybe early December. And then they'll probably only have about 15 or so races. But that was the latest that came out last night.
4: Personally, it would surprise me if there was any racing before September, I think.
0: Before September, really.
4: Really? I think so, yeah. I mean you know I mean, that's a
0: good six months away.
4: It is a good six months away, but um mm. that's realistically the kind of period that we're probably looking at in the UK before things might realistically open up again and start getting back to anything that feels a bit more normal, I think. We're going to have a very brutal few weeks. You know, we we shouldn't be overly dramatic about this. You know, it's not a zombie apocalypse. We're basically all going to be fine, but a few of us aren't going to be fine. We're not going to have a vaccine for this disease for 12 months or so, maybe 18 months. Mm. And until you have a vaccine, you cannot resume normal social activities without letting it run riot again. It is a very infectious disease. You know, you're simply going to get more hotspots. You're just going to get a lot more infections happening again. My understanding of the way these things will probably work is that, you know, you'd only realistically be able to get back to a more normal kind of social life, you know, in five or six months if you had such widespread testing, that you were able to be very, very confident about who's infected and who's not, and you know where the danger of infection is. Having said that, we know that the testing in the UK, both the scale of it and the technology of the tests, the kind of tests that are being used, this is moving forward at a pace, and it may well be that in a few months, testing is so widespread, and so quick, and so reliable, that we are able to getting back to something that resembles a more normal life.
3: We'll see. I'm optimistic. I can see a situation, possibly, where if we do have these rumoured home testing kits that people are apparently working on that can conduct a test possibly three tests to be absolutely certain one way or the other and then you could be given a certificate which says you know you are clear and you are able to go out and fraternize with other people and if you've got an all clear you can then go to events so you could see the resumption of large sporting events Only for people who are given the all clear. Mm. I mean, we're not going to have any sporting events whatsoever, even if we've reduced the amount of people out there that we know or don't know. If we don't know for sure one way or another, we can't have races with 5,000 people in the grandstand as opposed to 50,000 all standing three metres apart. It's just not Yeah, it's just not safe. And if I'm being brutally honest, as much as all of us love motorsport and arguably more than many things in our lives, our lives are more important than motorsport. And if we have to face the possibility of there being no racing whatsoever for 12 months, so be it. I wouldn't particularly like that, but if that's what we've got to do, that's fine. We'll get over it. We'll deal with it. We can cope.
0: In terms of humanity, that is the one positive thing coming out of this virus because people are having to stay home and spend time with their loved ones and their family and actually prioritize what's really important because some people do get carried away with their work and there are some motorsport obsessives that maybe this is their opportunity to change some of their priorities or just have the opportunity to spend time with people that they don't usually get a chance to spend time with.
4: Or for other motorsport obsessives, it's going to be a chance for them to sit at home and spend even more hours playing Gran Turismo, iRacing.
0: I tell you what, yeah, there could be a lot of emerging superstar esports simulating drivers. You're right, there could be, yeah. We'll talk about that a
3: little bit later on, but let's just stay in the real world for a moment because we've mentioned the effect of coronavirus on Formula One, But we have to mention the effect of the coronavirus on the Le Mans 24 hours, which last week was postponed, as Zoggy predicted, from its usual slot in June to a September slot. Yeah, I'm afraid I called that bang on. Did you? Really? Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Are you a psychic, Sog? Uh, <laughs>
4: no, I'm better than a psychic because I make rational predictions based on what appears to me to be the, the best evidence. <laughs> I don't just push <laughs> it out of thin air. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
3: So, we, I so mean, good. it's happened before. We have had Le Mans in September Previously, It was some time ago, many, 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 many years ago now, due to strikes, I think, in the 70s, was it, I think? But it'll be interesting to see if it does actually go ahead, and we can only assume it is going to happen at the moment, how that affects the race. Because normally, Le Mans, 24-hour race, they do it in June so that you've got the shortest night mm, yeah. possible mm. and it's not going to be quite a shorter night in terms of how long it is dark so it'll be really quite challenging for the drivers won't it September I mean one prediction it'll rain yes it
0: will Oh, okay. They did make such a huge effort to rearrange the calendar last season to make sure Le Mans was the main event of the whole series. So it it is a bit of a shame. I feel like 2020 is just already been wiped out now. So, you know, everything's going to restart and the grass will be greener in 2021.
3: Yeah, well, you know that expression, (laughs) 2020 vision, I don't think anyone, any of us, had this as our vision for 2020, did
0: we? Yeah, I know. I know. You haven't said to me in 2020, the one year that, you know, has the ring to it, which is beer shambles.
4: <laughs> it has a slightly new resonance, doesn't it? I imagine on the weekend that would have been Le Mans this year, I think at the very least I'm, I'm probably going to find an excuse to make a few Grand Marnier crepes and uh, drink a cold beer whilst re-watching a previous year's race. That said, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some kind of virtual Le Mans going on, if somebody organises it.
0: No, there, there will be. Well, Zog, you've
3: done that. Well, actually, yeah, we, well, we've done that. Yeah, actually, yeah. we did that quite a few years ago. I'd be up for doing that again. In case you're not sure what we're talking about, many, many years ago, I was directing and producing a video game series for Bravo called Gamepad, which our company, Wizbang TV, made, which Violet wrote and presented. And it was actually the first time we ever went to Le Mans, Zog, wasn't it? In 2002, possibly, where we wanted to do a feature about the Le Mans video game. So Zog and I went to Le Mans simply to record some links to introduce the feature about the game and an excuse to go to Le Mans. And then we decided to run the race in real time for 24 hours with a team of, was it four or five drivers actually, Zog? I can't remember now. Wow,
4: There were three or four of us. To be honest, I'm having a hard time remembering exactly what the driver lineup was. There was Vinny. Yeah. Our old mate Vince was in. And there was
3: one other driver, certainly. Chris Cartwright, who was a researcher and a gamer who worked for us on the programme. Okay. And his mate, Henry Gwynn, you, Vince. Yeah, that was it, four of you. Well done. Good. And you won it. You actually won it, didn't you? We did,
4: yeah. I think we can probably admit this now. Had we been a little bit more diligent in doing our preparation for the event, we would have spent a bit more time playing the game before we did our actual full twenty-four hour simulation and played the game in full twenty-four hour mode, which we did. But because we hadn't done quite enough prep, we didn't play the game on kind of full difficulty, on full pro mode, if you like. And because of that, you know, by the time we'd spent a few hours behind the wheel, we were so good that we won the race too easily. It wasn't quite enough of a challenge. It was a load of fun and, you know, we actually got to know the track pretty well. But if we'd been really on a game, we'd have spent a little bit more time ahead of the recording. You know, we'd have done probably a six hour practice race rather than the single practice session we did, I think.
3: Well, well done. I don't know if that's on YouTube somewhere. I'm going to have to dig out that clip and make it available so people can see it. So come to GarethJones.tv and I'll publish it somewhere for people to see. Sarah you are supposed to be coming to Le Mans with us this year I know it was scheduled for June are you still on for
0: September yeah I am you know I was just thinking I'm slightly disappointed because I was looking forward to a June sort of weekend in France and the summertime and now that I'm sort of a gear change to September it could be a bit chilly do you think I don't know if it'll
3: be chilly. I think September, that part of France in September is still going to be pretty warm. In fact, it might even be warmer than it can be in June. What do you think, Z? doubt it's going to be warmer than
4: June. I'd expect more moderate temperatures. Let's put it like that. We won't be baking in the sun, but it should be a pleasant weekend, I'd have thought. You know, there'll be, it'll be decent weather, hopefully. You know, we'll see what the forecast's
3: like. It's going to be a race at Le Mans. There'll be good company, good food. It'll be a blast. And a winner. And being as it's still there, I'm very pleased to say... ...that we've still got some motorsport to look forward to. Yay. It's hard to think back to two weeks ago right now... ...before the entire globe went into a state of emergency... ...but let's just pause for a moment... ...and look back to when life was normal... Just a couple of weeks ago, we were gearing up for the Grand Prix season. Do you remember that? It was everything to look forward to. New cars, new technology on the cars. And not only the new F1 championship, we're also looking forward to a trip in June to the Le Mans 24-hour race. This year was going to be better than ever. Gareth Jones on speed had got a sponsor. Yes, a sponsor. We were planning to turn up at the greatest race on earth and stay at the terrific Team Langustine campsite, inviting you guys to take up a special deal to join us there. It was going to be fantastic! You know what? It still can be. It still is. Not in June, though, because as you've heard us discussing, the race has been rescheduled to September. And when this is all over, and it will be then there'll be a chance even an obligation to celebrate our sponsor is still in place yay and the race is going to happen in september so if you need something to look forward to check out the link on our website garethjones.tv forward slash where you can get information about the packages available maybe just have a look for now no need to commit yet Camping is about the cheapest type of holiday available, so perhaps it's ideal for our newly limited budgets. The campsite is terrific, with all the facilities you'd need. And if, like me, you need something to look forward to, then this might just be it. More information, like I say, at garethjones.tv forward slash Lamont. I have to compliment the people of Australia, not just for you, Sarah, but generally, because the first real-world motor racing series that decided to fill this void left by no real motor racing with a virtual race series is the Australian V8 Supercars, who are running a virtual series in Australia at the moment. Well done them, that's tremendous, and it's starting to catch on. There are several attempts to fill that void elsewhere in the world. The first one I came across was an event called The Race, or run by a website called The Race, which the McLaren driver, Lando Norris. Yeah,
0: Lando L- 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 Norris was on, he was on, on, he was rogue. He was on Twitch. He was doing his own little thing, wasn't he? He was driving the Australian Grand Prix circuit while the others were driving, what not they doing the Nürburgring? There was an event called Not the Oz GP, yes. which
3: was hilarious because it was a bunch of gamers and Lando Norris, who was also a good sim racer and very experienced in video gaming as well as the real world. But when it came to the start of the race, it was hilarious because he'd forgotten about the parade laugh and just took off like a rocket like it was the start of the race and carved through the field. But what made the whole thing supremely entertaining was that we heard Lando Norris's commentary from his virtual cockpit the whole time. And it was hilarious. Yes. That was the best thing about it. I was watching that
4: same event. I didn't see the start of it, unfortunately, and I was watching it from somebody else's point of view but tremendous to see that kind of impromptu substitute for the race that we would have had. Yeah, it was a good bit of entertainment. What did you make of the event?
3: I thought it was okay. I didn't watch much of that. I have to admit, I came to it late, but I did see a bit of it.
0: Is this a separate one to what Max Verstappen was in? Because I did watch the one with Max Verstappen.
3: Ah, no, I didn't see that. Max was supposed to be taking part in another event, which he didn't take part in as the one I was Which one did you see, Sarah? It was
0: that same night and Max Verstappen won. I
3: think that was another, race. That was, a different thing.
0: Well, maybe there was a couple of them going on. It was a 10 grand were, yeah. winner's fee in what currency I'm not sure of. a oh, real prize money. But I do know Max Verstappen won, for sure. Well, he's a kid. He's technically a gamer who's
3: got a real job. Well,
0: yeah, exactly. I remember I did this eSports story last year for a Broadcast Sport, and I met one of the founders of the Formula One eSports, and he originally... He started a simulator series, like a online YouTube series, to find the world's best gamer and turn those amazing simulator drivers into real-life Formula 1 drivers. And somebody in the crowd put their hand up and they said, oh, when do you think the first sort of simulator motor racing driver will win an actual Formula 1 championship? And they said, well, the day that Max Verstappen wins because... He's just an avid simulator driver and he gets on and he constantly is on the eSports track. So him, Lando Norris, and I think there's one of the others that they're really into it, which is interesting. Nicholas Latifi,
3: maybe? Latifi possibly. I'll come to Latifi in a moment but you've got a point. I mean historically we have had a program supported by Nissan and PlayStation, the GT Academy, which turned gamers into real racing drivers. Yes, that's,
0: that's the one, yes, exactly. Yeah, and
3: Jan Mardenborough went into endurance racing and Super GT in Japan very, very successfully and a couple of other drivers whose names I'm afraid escape me at the moment it is a valid crossover now, but I'm a astray I have to admit I'm a stranger to esports. I don't really play video games myself, even driving games these days. I have in the past. And so I'm less likely to watch it as a sport on television. But what I did see the other week, which I think changed my viewpoint of esports, was an event run by IMSA at Sebring. It was an iRacing event at Sebring. Yeah, on the Saturday
4: just gone. The yeah. uh, Sebring Super Saturday.
3: Yeah, and two things made that very appealing for me. Number one, many of the drivers in that were real endurance racers. Alex Prima, who I know, Philippe Albuquerque, Bruno Spengler, your own Blake and Molen, who I used to know in A1GP as well, all driving virtual cars in a piece of software which looked really convincing eye racing yes you're right Zog. eye racing but the key thing that made this absolutely watchable for me was the commentary which was done by the radio Le Mans team immediately you have an authentic recognizable voice john heindorf giving it lords like this It made no difference as to whether I was watching a virtual event or a real event. He was taking it seriously and delivered it as such.
4: I agree with you 100% on that. The commentary team really lifted that event for me. But it's also interesting to compare that to the Not the Bahrain Grand Prix that happened the next day on the Sunday, which also featured a mix of real racing drivers and some gamers and was recreating the Bahrain Grand Prix as would have been. And it struck me that actually one thing that did perhaps enable the Radio Le Mans team to take it a bit more seriously and make it such a real event. And I was into it. I was really enjoying the race. It was great to have that happening while there wasn't any real racing happening. But I think a thing that did possibly help them was the fact that they didn't have quite such a bunch of clowns clattering into each other on the first corner. <laughs> I mean, did you see the Sunday virtual Bahrain race? Did yeah, you, uh, did you yeah I watched
0: it. Yeah, I did. I did watch it. Johnny Herbert steaming through straight into the lead. Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought that was great. It was great to see Johnny Herbert involved. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. But it was
4: a bit of a clown show.
0: He reported after the race that he had trouble, sort of I don't know. I think maybe with his left foot because he had that really bad injury, didn't he? So I think that yeah, really did, yeah. um, sure. compromised him in his performance. Well, that's what he thinks anyway. But it was it was <sighs> a very f- sort of fun fun start to watch because he was out there in front, so it was it was quite good to see. But um, it was
3: hilarious. He got to the lead by cutting the first corner completely. <laughs> yes, yeah, as good. chaos
0: unfolded behind.
3: Him. And in the meantime, Nico Hulkenberg was also in the race just clattered straight into the pit wall on the start finish straight and you're right it was a bit of a clown fest I think that's a lovely description I'm I'm
0: not quite sure how much experience Nico Hulkenberg does have in sort of virtual racing I thought it sort of I think he expressed that he hadn't had a lot But, you know, maybe that's why, or maybe it's just an excuse.
3: (laughs) Um, He did say that he hadn't had any practice at all. Well, there you go. But he was driving with the traction control on moderate, so he had some driver aids. All right, I see. good of him to admit that. But I was rooting for Nico Hulkenberg. I have to admit, it was Nico and Johnny I wanted to do well in that race.
4: I was rooting for Johnny all the way, I have to say. I was right behind Johnny Herbert all the way.
0: So was I. Yeah, same, same. I tell you, the other person that would have been good to see would be Martin Brundle if he had have had a bash because that, that would have been just as exciting as seeing, you know, Johnny Herbert Actually, involved. Yeah, but yeah. Liam Payne, yeah. the One Direction music artist, I was hoping he could have done all right. I, you know, a bit of a dark horse, but the fact that he is a massive Formula One fan, I mean, that's quite cool. I was like, good on him. good on him for putting his. I think so. But good on him for putting his hand up right. against all these sort of more ex- obviously experienced races and this guy's just, let's be honest, he's just a singer of a Boy band.
3: (laughs) I've got the list of all the drivers here, and it's a pretty good lineup. Stoffel Van Dorn from Mercedes. Esteban Gutierrez, a Mercedes development driver. Robert Schwartzman driving for Ferrari. Forgive me, I don't know who that is. Dino Beganovic for Ferrari. Chris Hoy, sorry, Sir Chris Hoy driving for Red Bull. Sir Chris Hoy. Philip Eng from Red Bull. Lando Norris. Although it wasn't certain whether it was actually Lando driving the car for most of the race or whether it was actually the AI. We weren't clear on that.
0: Yes. That's interesting. AI. Absolutely.
3: Nick Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton's brother, was also driving for McLaren. Ian Poulter for Renault. And the winner of the race was Guan Yu Zhu, who is a Renault. Driver who's done well in Formula 2 and Formula 3 up to now. Yeah. yeah.
0: I did hear that Daniel Ricciardo was meant to take that spot, but he came in as the replacement for the young Australian Daniel Ricciardo. He's
3: not Australian, is he, Daniel Ricciardo? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, He is. <laughs> well, I, I think with the time zone different, he probably didn't want to get out of bed at 3 a.m. Yeah, I think you start right. the race. So <laughs> I think he just is very happy to palm that one off. And, and I suppose that guy made the most of his opportunity, didn't he? I mean, I would say his name fluently, but he, It's a very complex Chinese name. And um, sorry. Can you, (laughs) you did a good
4: job. Fair play him. did
0: a great job, yeah. The other drivers in that race,
3: Paul Redeye Shaloner, Nicholas Latifi. Now, Latifi is a Williams driver right now who's done well in Formula 2. And Anthony Davison, ex-Toyota driver, or world endurance champion, of course, Little Ant, Amir Thacker and Liam Payne. My kids are asking me, who's in this race? So I read this list and that's someone called Liam Payne. Oh, yeah, Liam Payne, they said. I said, yeah, who's that? I had no idea who he was. I promise you. I-
4: for a former MTV presenter, <laughs> that's a terrible admission, Gareth. I'm I'm, I'm a, I'm a
3: tiny bit shocked. That's very true,
0: actually. I know. With a son and who it, is uh, a music artist as well. Absolutely. It's cardinal yeah. he I
4: shame. held
3: my hands up. I had no idea. At least you bit to it. You owned it. That's yeah. fair enough.
0: Hey, was he the only non-racer? The rest of them are racers, aren't they? Um, or, or eSports racers. I think possibly there was a couple of YouTubers
3: were also lined up. I don't know if any of those people are actually YouTubers. I mean, for
0: example, who's Red Eye? That must be... He'd be his alter ego, Red Eye Shallow. I think he might be an esports commentator. Oh, uh, right, I yeah, think. of course. Okay,
3: good one. The commentary for this race is done by Jack Nichols, who commentates for Formula E and some sim racing, and Alex Jakes. And I thought they did a lively, entertaining job. But it seemed a bit knockabout. Another race was knockabout, but it was hard to take it seriously. Whereas I like the seriousness of the IMSA race. And Formula One, we tend to take seriously. So I think they missed an opportunity. But to be fair, they did describe it as a sort of a beta test of the concept. And in the future, they may be able to persuade more current F1 drivers is to take part. I'd love to see Lewis and Max in the same race, virtually. And I'd love to hear the official commentary by the Sky F1 team. I think that would be a wonderful thing for sure, to yeah. behold. It would get closer to the real thing. But am I hoping for too much to expect it to be a synthetic replacement for the real thing? Or should I just accept it for what it is? Well,
0: I think this commentary lineup that they had for this particular esports race was a one-off because Jolly and Palmer and Jack Nichols because Jack not only does the Formula E but Jolien and Jack do the BBC Formula 1 5 Live they're actually very good combinations they do sort of critique the races and they take it quite seriously but I think to your point it was quite jovial their commentary on this one because I think they had one of the guys from WTF1 and I think they were sort of making it a bit of a laugh as well as sort of competition but I think ordinarily in the actual esports Formula 1 series they do take it quite seriously and and Palmer is actually a very good commentator. I don't know if you've had much of an opportunity to listen to the BBC Formula One 5 Live. Not for
3: a long time. I've always watched it on TV.
0: Jolian might get picked up for Sky, I think. But yeah, they're good. But it would be interesting, though, as well, to listen to the Sky F1 team take it on too. It's
4: interesting you talk about Jolian because my own take on how he is as a commentator is that he's come along Tremendously, because I think, to be honest, when he began on Five Live, I think he was actually quite bad, if we're being honest. But he really got it together. And I think he does a first class job now. The way he works with the rest of the team on Five Live is also very good. Maybe it is with Jack. He has a slightly combative on-air relationship it seems I'm not quite sure how much that's for our benefit or whether there's actually been a real needling going on there he may not have been the best F1 driver that Britain's ever produced but he can certainly bring some professional knowledge to his commentary and you know I always like to hear that driver's perspective so yeah thumbs up for Jolyon I'd be happy to hear more of him.
0: Yeah, I think he does quite well. He also does some commentary for the actual Formula 1. He does some sort of post-race videos for the Formula 1 website. But, yeah, they often do sort of bicker, and Jack takes the mickey out of and quite a bit out of his. What what was the year he retired, 2017, of his performances of the year of 2017? So I think Jolien's well aware that he wasn't necessarily the greatest Formula 1 driver.
3: (laughs) Fair play to him. Okay, before we move on to talking about the real world of motorsport again, one last question to you two, to you each. There are plans to do more virtual F1
0: Races. Well, they have to at the moment. It's their opportunity to really ramp it up, I think. Are you A, excited by that or not the slightest bit bothered or somewhere in between? I'd have to say somewhere in between. I'm not really a gamer. In fact, I've done quite a bit of esports reporting on not only the motorsport, but the other weird and wonderful esports that are out there like fortnite and loads of games like that it's it's a whole new world on a whole new level but they make a lot of money doing it and twitch and and all the sort of live streaming apps that are on out there it's a huge opportunity for formula one to tap into a whole new audience so i think that's really exciting from a business perspective and also for the drivers so that it is genuinely exciting but from a personal point of view i do probably prefer the real tangible actual formula one races they do it in real life. Zog?
4: Yeah, I'm in between as well. I think if I was going to consistently watch an ongoing series of virtual F1 races, I'd like to see a slightly higher standard of driving. Yes. And I'd like to see a few more of the current drivers in there. And if not more of the current drivers, maybe a mixed and changing field of former drivers, um, other motorsport stars, and occasional other celebs like Liam Payne, who are prepared to make fools of themselves in that context, but can actually deliver. And actually, there probably aren't that many people
0: that can do that. I know, that's true.
4: Also, it would be good if the commentary was turned up a notch in terms of seriousness.
0: I think so. Yeah, if they took it seriously, it would really make a huge difference. Yeah,
4: yeah. So uh, let's see. Let's see.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be watching. I'm hoping it improves.
3: I'm looking forward to a step up. Like they said, the first one was a beta. You know, they've shot the pilot. The next one is the real thing. I'm ready to give them another chance. A friend of mine who makes television programs and a very esteemed producer, Zog, who you know, Tim Edmonds. Oh, lovely chap. He's been making programs for 40 years. Tim always says, any TV series, any new TV series, you should wait until episode six before you make your judgments. By episode six, they should have got it right. So I'm giving virtual F on the benefit of the doubt for four or five more races before I make my decision. Fair
0: enough. Who would be your sort of most faved celebrity to be involved in one of these races that you think could have a shot at doing okay? Oh, me. Absolutely me.
3: (laughs) I, I I would give it a go. If I could compete against some real racing drivers, but I was allowed to use all the driver aids possible, I think that would be fun. I'd give it a shot. I'd love to. I mean, I have raced against real racing drivers, but in the real world, in karting, where we've got a level playing field, and I've done a bit of pro-celebrity karting for many, many, many years. And over the years, I'm pleased to say I have beaten one or two proper drivers. My greatest ever moment was holding off David Brabham for about six laps. And that's it. That was my moment of fame. And he's great. So I can't be that bad occasionally.
4: Did he ever figure out what you'd done to his kart to enable that to happen? Or are we keeping that in the bag? uh... (laughs)
3: Hmm. Well, if he'd had more than three wheels, maybe he stood a chance, yeah. Okay, let's talk about how the motorsport industry is mobilising to help this effort against the coronavirus epidemic. I heard this week... That two fairly big concerns, one in the United States and one in the UK, have both developed a new type of ventilator and were rolling it out. ProDrive in the UK have been working to develop a ventilator and we're now getting ready to manufacture parts and get it out. I mean, if you think about it, it's perfect for motorsport motorsport is used to having to come up with something really quickly make it and deliver it really quickly debugged so they're possibly the best people to help out aren't they zog yeah that's a very good point it's it's an industry with a skill set
4: and with resources that are practiced and have expertise in quick turnaround in designing and producing high tech high quality solutions so yeah it's a great application of their skill set. Well done to those companies for stepping up and doing what they've done.
0: They're saying in particular in the UK, it is McLaren, Red Bull, Williams and Mercedes that have taken this approach. They're using their applied technologies and advanced manufacturing capability. And the UK is estimated to need an extra 20,000 ventilators to deal with the crisis. So that's a lot. But then also in Italy, The family that control Ferrari and Fiat, they donated 10 million euros to the Italian government to help deal with the coronavirus emergency. So they helped them buy 150 extra ventilators and also provided a fleet of cars to distribute food and medicine. So that's quite cool. What a great thing to do. I hope they delivered a fleet of Ferraris to deliver them in. That'd make you feel better, wouldn't it? Yeah, I know. Here's your ventilator in a Ferrari.
3: (laughs) Motorsport teams are very skilled at coming up with new designs, turning them around quickly and delivering a few for their teams but they're not mass manufacturers they can't churn out thousands can they
4: No I, I think that's exactly right the truth is I don't know what their capacity would be to manufacture whatever designs they are manufacturing bottom line It's terrific if they're contributing anything, really, you know, and I think we applaud them for that. I would have thought that unless the designs they are producing are such that they can also be fairly quickly produced by a lot of other companies, that's not going to make a big difference, but it will certainly
3: help it's a good thing. However, motor manufacturers producing road cars, they are geared up to manufacture things in large numbers. And I hear that Tesla have delivered, was it a thousand ventilators or parts for ventilators recently, which I think is commendable.
4: Yeah, having indicated that they'd be prepared to build ventilators. And you know, your immediate question is, well, if you're prepared to do it, Why aren't you doing it, given that we know there is going to be a need for them?
0: But they're doing it now. Well done, Tesla. Let's keep it coming. Exactly. Any support they can give is great support. I can't imagine the situation in the hospitals with all these people that are fighting over ventilators. It'd be awful to choose between who gets one. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Let's hope that the motorsport industry and the car industry can also 3D print skilled medical workers to operate these machines as well because we're going to need them to respect to the people. Should we do that small round of applause thing that we do for all the people working in the medical front line around the world? Well done yes, you guys. I thank you very so. much indeed. And thank you Zog and thank you Sarah for taking part in this virtual episode of Gareth Jones on Speed.
4: Thank you. Hey good to catch up
3: thank you people at home for listening and we hope that in this tricky time we've brought a little bit of joy and normality to you you will be listening to zog goodbye and sarah goodbye and me gareth and we will be back with another on speed in a fortnight but in the meantime we're going to leave you with a song specially written for the coronavirus crisis This is a song loosely in the style of the talking heads, or in this case, the walking deads. This is Racing During Lockdown. See ya, and please stay safe out there, or more importantly, keep the people around you safe. Bye.
1: Go!